In fact, I did that one time. I was He was here, and I said, oh, I love Brenda's. And he looked at me like, you're supposed to love mine more. But I wanted to say, humble thyself. But So these are, these are decrees, and we've prayed them the last few Wednesday nights. Um, I had some complaints because there were too many, but, um, you know, <laughs> what can I say? They were my boys. Um, but we won't meet now till the first part of January. So, but you can pray these prayers on your own. Amen? Or these decrees.
Father, tonight we thank you for your presence. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here amongst us. And you are the great teacher. So, Lord, may the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord. We thank you, Father. You're preparing us for the days ahead and for the new year. So, Lord God, we avail ourselves to your word. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want this recorded. It is okay. You may be seated. Well, I'm glad you took me serious when I said you need to be here because this is part two. It's interesting when all the last six, eight months I've been praying at night when I go to bed. I always plead the blood over all the people of Harvest Church and my family and I'll pray, you know, Psalm 23 and and uh, speak the word. And but I, I I've asked the Father, you know, since I qualify, the the Word of God says, "Old men shall dream dreams, a young men shall have what visions." And so I encourage you, you know, whether you're young or old, God's a supernatural God, especially in these last days. We're we're going to see more and more supernatural manifestations. Listen, if the devil can, God can trump him every time. So um, don't be afraid to ask God for a vision. You know, the, the main thing, is, it's got to line up with the Word. Amen? Amen. So how many of you were here? Is, has, was everyone here Sunday? I think you were. Okay. So let me let me read this again, and uh, we'll go through this in part two and part three. And and uh, I'm just I'm fascinated when when I receive a God dream because I can remember it in detail. So if you ever wonder if you're having a God dream, you'll remember it. You can go a week and you can remember every detail of your dream. But I encourage you, you know. Write down, when, when you get something from God, write it down. Amen? So, let me read it, and then we'll get started. I said, I got up from my desk and went into a large empty room, which was over here in the south building. It used to be the children's room. And I noticed a large semi-truck had crashed into the northeast corner of the second story level, and it was just hovering there. And I don't know why that it didn't surprise me. All I was concerned about was the accident. But I was totally caught off guard. I didn't hear the crash. I didn't see it coming. And you know what? There are a lot of Christians right now in this hour. They don't have a clue of what's coming. The corner of the building was hit with minimal damage. The truck was really damaged. I then had a sense of urgency to go outside and get the necessary information before the others left the scene of the accident. But I was, as I was looking out the window, they were pulling away. So there were witnesses, there were people that saw this happen. And, you know, if you're ever in an accident, you want to get license plate numbers and the whole thing and exchange insurance. And so I'm thinking in that mindset. 
Meanwhile, I discovered it was raining hard, and, and uh, I had one picture. I saw the weather, and it was a, a real driving rain. But then I, I looked up, and the roof was leaking. And I said before, a roof always represents protection. So the roof had been compromised. It was leaking, and I had to find a container. You know, if you've ever had an experience where your basement flooded or your dishwasher broke, you get a little excited. And I was excited. And uh, I had to find containers, and I could only find one. It was a real bright, large, shiny silver container. And uh, so that was the first part of of the dream. And uh, the upper room represents what? Give you a little test. Your heart, okay? And and Jesus, you know, uh, met with his disciples in the upper room, and that represents what? Communion and fellowship. Then there was the 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 disciples on on in the book of Acts. They were waiting for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, were they not? So they were waiting, you know, for the Holy Ghost. And so that's the way we should be. Amen. We said the large tractor truck represented the enemy who comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. I was caught off guard. I didn't see it or hear it coming. First Peter 5.8 says, keep a cool head. Stay alert. The devil's poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. Folks, this is not the hour to be napping spiritually. It's, you've got to keep your heart full of the Word, full of the Spirit. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 4, keep vigilant watch over your heart. We said, why was it the northeast corner? And how many of you remember why? what's represented in the Bible, in the book of Acts? Say, you're O'Clyden. Remember that? That was the typhoon that, and, and they, they had a southerly wind, Paul and his ship, that he was on, that was going to Rome. And uh, they thought, oh, it's going to be fine. We, we don't have to winter here. And they got in the ship and were going sailing along with all of a sudden there arose Euroclidon. And uh, they weren't prepared for it. They didn't listen to Paul. Remember, Paul said, I perceive. You know, this, this could end in, in catastrophe. Well, it did. They didn't lose a life, but the whole ship, the cargo was destroyed. See, when you don't listen to the Holy Ghost, you're in trouble. Amen? So, that's that. I had a sense of urgency, as I said, to go out and, and uh, find out that the witnesses were leaving. So now, it started to rain, and uh, I had to call Pastor Brad. You know, what do you do when you're in trouble, Harvest Church? You've got to call Pastor Brad, because he's supposed to fix it. And it can't be that way anymore. Thank God that Pastor Brad through the years has been faithful. But his role's changing and, and he can't answer the call. That means I need other people to answer the call. Amen? So we all need to be vessels of honor. Now let's go on. Part two and part three. I said this as I found myself downstairs of the south building in the entryway. In the front, the front door, there were a group of seniors, probably at least a half a dozen, outside the door, and they wanted to see me. They were adamant about coming in to see me. You know, and I was a little reluctant in opening the door. 
you know, especially when you have a bunch of old sourpusses out front, you don't want to open up, amen, or should I say old wineskins? Because I'm thinking, if you're a pastor and you get a phone call or you get a knock on the door, you want to think the best, but nine times out of ten, it's a problem, okay? You can knock on my door and give me good news. That would be wonderful. Reluctantly, I let them in and they all sat down. I was ready to talk with them when a young boy appeared in a football uniform. Now, isn't that weird? I can vividly see. And the thing was so interesting, I knew who that little boy was. And I think, I'm thinking to myself, you know, what, what's this all about? Because I had all these old people here, and I got this young boy in a football uniform. And, and all of these sudden, he just says, Pastor, I'm leaving the church. And I'm, I'm, I'm just was really frustrated with him because he was interrupting my conversation with, with the seniors. But as soon as he said that, poof, he was gone. So then I turned my attention to the old folks. And uh, basically, they all started to talk. And as they did, I looked at the one woman who was sitting in the front, and I said, did you have an appointment to see me? This is my day off. She just looked at me, and they got up and walked out. I didn't even say anything nasty. Just got up and walked out. So what's the young boy in the football uniform represent, and what do the old folks represent? Well, that's what we're going to talk about. Everything in this dream represents something. And you know what? I'm probably missing something. I could sit there and rack my brain and pray and whatever, but I believe I got the majority, the understanding or the interpretation of the dream. Thank you, Kathleen. That's true. They were. What's? Yeah, they sat down. They weren't going to move forward. Now... The young boy in the football uniform I recognized represents those who were backslid and in love with the world. Because this, this individual is still backslid and in the world system. Born again, spirit-filled, but not in the church. And I'm thinking to myself, what's this football uniform represent well i i began to think about it first of all i said i think this kind of individual just wants to play games with god and most people that are backslid they don't want anything to do with god you know they'll come to church but they're not engaged in anything that's going on but then i began to think about this what kind of sport is football it's a team sport So he didn't want to play on the team anymore. And he was out of there. Proverbs 14.14 says, The backslider in heart will be filled with his own waves, but a good man will be satisfied from above. The backslider in heart will be filled with whose ways? Not God's ways, but his own ways. But a good man will be satisfied from above. Mark 4.18 Remember the parable of the sower, it says, Now these are the ones sown among thorns. 
They're the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. See, all these scriptures fit this, this individual. In 2 Timothy 3.4, it says in these last days, people will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Here's the, here's the, the good one. Revelation 2.4, it says, Nevertheless, Jesus said, I have this against you. He was speaking of the church at Ephesus. You've left your first love. And this individual had left his first love. Kind of sobering, isn't it? Now, the group of seniors, as I said, represent old wineskins. Look at Luke chapter 5, if you have your Bibles. And didn't we talk about this last Wednesday? I think we did. Luke chapter 5, look at verse 36. I'm going to read it from Luke, because in this gospel, um, under Luke... It's, it's worded a little different. And he spoke a parable to them. No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear. And also, the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled, and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine, how many of you want new wine? You better raise, how many of you really want new wine? Even if you don't want, know what kind of wine, just raise your hand. But new wine must be put into new wine skins, and both are preserved. Now listen, this is where Luke is different than Matthew. And no one having drunk old wine immediately desires new, for he says the old is better. The old is better. So these folks represented old wine skins who refused to change. To them, the old is better. The way services are run, the way worship is conducted, is better than the new wine. I want new. But you know, the older I get, it's hard to make changes sometimes. How many of you would say, if you've gotten older, it's sure a lot more comfortable to do it the way you used to do it. And I'll tell you what, if you're going to flow with the Holy Ghost in the days ahead, you're going to be uncomfortable in the beginning, because it's going to be different. Jesus explained, I'm reading from a book on wineskins, Jesus explained that those led by the Spirit will be changing and moving constantly. Say changing, moving constantly. He said, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. Now listen to this. This is so important. To move with the Spirit of God demands constant change. How many churches, denominations are out there that are, you know, I went home to my, my buddy's mother died in, in my hometown in February and, and, uh, Went back to the Methodist church and walked in the door. and It was the same as when I was a little boy. And it smelled the same, too. They did have a screen, though. I was impressed. But, you know, not much changed. 
So to move with the Spirit demands constant change. Our natural tendency is contrary to God's ways. We like things stable, secure, and comfortable. But God demands freedom. His work like the wind can never be limited, boxed in or confined. Our efforts to crystallize and restrict the Spirit are contrary to the ongoing work of God. We must remember, and I read this to you last week, but I'm going to read it again. We must remember that changing a wineskin is not just a matter of incorporating a few new ideas. The entire wineskin is involved. So that means the entire church. It means all of us. If God pours out His Spirit on an established organization, He may require the administrators to humble themselves, give up their positions of authority, and the corresponding salaries, and submit to wild prophets and apostles who incidentally are not always concerned if they have to rip up established programs from beginning to end. Then worship has to change. The pianist who has served faithfully, Sunday after Sunday, may not be too happy about that. And I will give you credit. You're, you change. You know, It's not easy playing all these years and dealing with the people every Sunday. But you're open and that's important. If you, if you weren't open as a worship leader, you'd be in trouble. Not just with leadership, but with God. Elders and deacons who resist must be removed. Now that seems pretty harsh, doesn't it? The building structure needs to be altered. The pulpit may need to be repositioned. The children's department needs to be reorganized. Finances have to be redirected. The secretary even will have to change the bulletin. Well, we don't have one, do we? We used to. Now listen, the greater the outpouring, the greater the wineskin ripping. So what kind of outpouring has is, is been prophesied that's, that's here, that's, that's happening, and, and maybe it seems like a trickle, but it's going to far surpass the early church. And that just blows my gaskets. Because didn't they experience some miracles, signs and wonders? So we, we've got to get ready for that. Amen? Now, how many of you, as I've related some of these things to you tonight so far, and even last Sunday, see some things in your own life that have to be adjusted? Third part. I found myself walking down a dark hallway, and this building was, it was like an old apartment building, and there were, were doors, and the doors were open, and the ceiling was caving in, and, and the walls were crumbling in, and I was going down a hallway that was littered with debris, and the thing was, I looked down and I saw two rats. And, and the funny thing was, the one rat was just like a baby rat going to sleep. He was just cuddling and he was just, you could tell he was going to sleep. And the other rat just psh, scurried away. So, this is <laughs> what we all have to deal with. Everyone say flesh. And this final part of the dream reveals the consequences of neglect. And before I end here, I'm going to, the whole dream, basically, if you want one theme and one subject, it's on neglect. And remember, folks, this is a warning to you and I, individually, 
and the church corporately. Neglect is defined this way. Failure to respond to duties. Habitually failing to do the required thing. Careless, lax, inattentive, or indifferent. What's indifferent mean? Don't care. It means to ignore or disregard. And here's another definition. It means to neglect the advice of others. Matthew 25.5 says this, But while the bridegroom delayed, they all slumbered and slept. While the bridegroom delayed, they all slumbered and slept. Matthew 13, verse 25 says, But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Look at Romans 13. This is one passage I wanted you to look at. We're dealing with the flesh. What's the flesh want to do? Sleep. The flesh wants to be lazy. The flesh doesn't care about spiritual things, just how it can, you know, be satisfied. And in Romans 13, verse 11 says, And do this knowing the time. How many of you know the time? That now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly or decently as in the day and not in revelry and drunkenness. Not in lewdness and lust. Not in strife and envy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. So you and I, basically, that word provision, we shouldn't think about how we're going to gratify and satisfy our flesh. Even though I have to go get a donut, I guess that's gratifying your flesh, huh? And I think about it the night before. I need a donut tomorrow. You, you see what I'm saying, though. You, your flesh will think ahead of time. How, how am I going to gratify it? What am I going to do to bring satisfaction to this flesh? See? But now's a high time to wake out of sleep. Look at your neighbor and say, wake up. Wake up. Amen? 1 Thessalonians 5, 6 is, Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. I, I wrote this down because I had Scott look, Timothy Scott look at this dream. And, and he, I said, what do you think about these rats? And he said, the second rat that ran off was a carnal Christian running after his own agenda. Running after his own agenda. How many Christians are out there running after their own agenda instead of God's agenda? Now, let me make this statement to you. And I, I, if you leave with anything, I want you to remember this. Think you can? Infestation is the result of neglect. Infestation is the result of of neglect. So if you neglect your spiritual life, if you don't put the Word in on a consistent basis, if you don't pray on a consistent basis, what's going to happen? 
You're going to be open to demonic influence. You're going to be open to the flesh taking precedence over your, your mind, will, and emotions and your spirit. Amen? In fact, Hebrews 2.3 says you can neglect your salvation. You and I can neglect our salvation. So, I'm going to give you the interpretation. I wrote it, wrote it all down in, in sequence. But I want you to listen and pay close attention to how the thread of neglect ran through this whole dream. And so, you know, I, I think God is trying to tell His people, His church, maybe you're neglecting some things. So li listen to this. I neglected to hear or see the truck crash into the building. The bystanders, bystanders or witnesses outside the accident neglected to stay. The large upper room, which represents our heart, was empty because the Word and the Spirit had been neglected. The roof leaked because it had been neglected. The preparation of vessels had been neglected. We weren't ready for that. The call for help was neglected. You didn't answer. The call for help was neglected. The young boy neglected to stay in church, submit to authority, and become a team player. The group of seniors are the what? Old wineskins, and I told you last week, just because you're old doesn't make you an old wineskin. You can be 23 years old and be an old wineskin. Amen? The group of seniors neglected to change in order to move on with the Spirit. The old building had been neglected, and as a result, the flesh had taken precedence over the Spirit. Other themes throughout the dream, spiritual alertness, the need for fellowship with God, the Word and His Spirit, allowing the refining work of the Holy Spirit to burn out impurities. Being a team player, I can't say that enough. In the days ahead, in the church, the remnant church, we're going to have to work together. It's not going to be about, you know, some hot shot on the stage, you know, it's not going to be that way. It's going to be about a group of people working together as a team. Being a team player. Amen? Also, this dream refers to rejecting the world and its enticements. It refers to deception. Or embracing a new wineskin. Dealing with selfishness, offense, and pride. Say selfishness. Say offense. Say pride, those the, the old senior group, they were offended. Okay? Even the, the, the young kid in the football uniform was offended. And then overcoming the flesh. So, you know, I, I believe this is a warning for all of us. What do you think? What's this dream, you know, what what, what do you get out of this? It's just a dream. You just ate too much the night before, Pastor. That's all it is. You're blowing it out of proportion. What's it mean to you?
Sure. Change. Are you going to resist change? Am I going to resist change? What's it going to be like when somebody comes in here that stinks so bad you can't sit next to them? Got real quiet. If anybody should know from your past lifestyle, we're going to see you're good. You dealt with a lot of rough characters, didn't you? Did they always smell good? Look pretty? Uh, well, that's better than B.O., I guess. Smelled like a motorcycle. What are you going to do when, when people come in here that maybe they just don't look like they belong? Are you going to love them? Can you hug somebody that stinks? Or their clothes are not the best? Good. I like that. I think we do have people here. I really do. And I'll tell you what, that tickles me as a pastor. Because no one here is better than anybody else. And I, I, ever since I've been young, and my wife and I, we can spot an elitist attitude a mile away. And I'll knock you down real fast. We're here to serve each other. Love each other. Accept each other. Pray for each other and encourage each other. Amen. Amen. Anybody else get anything else out of it? That's good. You, you know, I, I didn't bring it, but Nate had a, I don't know, vision or God spoke to him about, I don't know if you remember because we read it about me in a room with a bunch of boxes. And I, had, and I was working feverishly to get the boxes. And by the time I was done, I put my head down on the table and went sound asleep. See, I can't be, she can't be carrying all the boxes. Certain people in the church that have done things for so long can't, can't continue to do it all. It's going to take everybody pitching in and doing something. Amen? Amen. Everyone has to do our part. Everyone's going to have to allow the Holy Spirit to burn out some impurities. How many got character flaws? Oh, your hands. See, I, anything else, I'd, you'd be like, how many got any flaws? <laughs> we all do. We all have character flaws. We're all works in progress. But you know what? God loves us the way we are. But he also loves us enough to to work on us, to remove those impurities. So we need to let him do that work in us and finish that good work. Amen. Let's stand up. Tonight I want to, the only thing I want to pray for is uh, Kathy and I went and visited a family, and thanks to Carl, he he worked with the daughter, and and I knew the daughter's mother from years ago, but she she got cancer, and uh, basically they they said there's nothing more they can do, and so I I said Kathy and I once we found out we we'd come. Well, she's real private, and, 
and uh, but I asked the daughter, and this you got to understand something. This family, they're they're characters, and uh, we went and uh, sat down and, and talked, and we had the privilege privilege of leading them to Christ. All the gal that's and I, I tried to locate her, and she was raised Catholic, and and uh, um, but all of them prayed. And uh, but we found out. Carl said that the gal that's suffering with the cancer, her name's Dee, and she's afraid to go to sleep. And so tonight I want to pray for her and the family. And let's just be in agreement, and let's just take authority over fear. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're so grateful and thankful, Lord God, for the new birth. And Lord, in, in, in the Word, you said we must be born again, and I believe all four of them made a quality decision to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so, Father, tonight, we pray, Lord God, that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of grace, will invade their home. We take authority and bind the spirit of fear in the name of Jesus, and we loose peace. The peace which surpasseth all understanding to guard their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I plead the blood of Christ over that home, each daughter, and especially Dee. I thank you, Lord, she shall lie down in peace and sleep, unvisited by evil, for you give your beloved sleep. So, Holy Spirit, you are, we thank you for your, for your grace and your mercy right now for this family. We thank you, Father, for your love. We thank you for your protection. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. I believe we're going to see a lot of people coming into the kingdom of God next year. Amen. I believe each one of you can, can lead someone to Christ or plant a seed or, or share a good word. Amen. So, we took care of the semi-truck. What's next? What other dreams next? I'm ready for a young person to have a vision. Amen. Anything else? Um, this is the last Wednesday night for the year. Next Wednesday night we're having the Christmas practice, aren't we? Are we doing? That's on Saturday, okay? So you get no service, you get the night off. God bless you. Thank you.